How's everybody doing today? I'm Dan Benjamin. It is, what is today? Wednesday, I guess, is what they're telling me. December 23rd, 2020. Just a few days left to get rid of this stupid year. Hope that you're doing well. I uh, missed yesterday. Oh, I hate that. I hate that I missed yesterday. There was a lot going on yesterday. Yesterday was a weird day. But we're back. And we're back and we're ready to do a good show. I so enjoyed the direct messages that y'all were sending me on Twitter and, and trying to help and trying to answer questions that you have. I will answer any question you have. I will solve any problem you have. And this is, I think, going to be the best show that I will do all day today. And it's all because of you, all because you're hanging out here, all because you're part of this. So let's do something fun today. Let's do a little bit of news and we'll answer some more questions. If you have questions, if you need help, if you need for me to step in and solve the problems that you have in your life, I can do that. And I can do it from right here, live and direct in Austin, head, uh, Texas, Austin, Texas, our headquarters, not Austin headquarters. Well, I guess it is Austin headquarters. Hi, how are you today? Let's do a show. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, we're ready. Uh, the first bit of news I want to tell you about I won't, I won't do. is NASA Mars rover and what they're calling the seven minutes of terror. Uh, NASA has released an animation showing how uh, this Perseverance rover is going to land on Mars on February 18th. Did you, first of all, let me just ask you, did you know that NASA had a uh a new uh, rover that's going to be on mars did you know about that i didn't even know about that and they're talking about it like i know it well let's let's show you this video if we can make this work today here comes the video i'm sure there will be a lot of ads as well but let's see okay there it is there is the (laughs) the sound effects (laughs) because you know there's sound in space it's showing the little capsule using its jets it's heat shield heating up, very exciting. And it is streaking across the Martian sky on its way. This is a great, really great video. There's the heat shield cooking up. I hope it doesn't burn up. It's not burning up. It's very exciting. It's approaching the Martian surface. This, this video is not. seen in a while and there it is parachuting down and it is about to touch down on the Martian sir oh they did a crash zoom a nice crash zoom <laughs> I like that I think every video should have a crash zoom. There it goes. oh there's the uh, there's the So it has like a 
for those of you that were not watching this uh, or just listening to the show, why would you do that? Uh, it, it has like a carapace on top of it that looks like a like a spider with rockets instead of long legs that lowers it down until it finally gets to the point where it's on the surface and then it drops it off and ejects away. What do you what do you think about that? Not for while you can, monkey boy. Yeah, some people are saying this is just <laughs> Ban in the chat says this is just a PS3 game. Yeah, it's the orbital bacon method and uh yeah, it does look kind of like the last one Dominic says. It it does. I think they all have a certain look to them. Uh okay. So that's it. So that is and it's going to land uh, February, you know. But the reason they call it this, <laughs> this seven minutes of terror is they say that uh, so much has to go right in a frighteningly short space of time or the arriving mission will dig a very big and very expensive new hole in the red planet. It's good. But the whole thing is it's all autonomous, right? Um, it's all autonomous. There's no... There's nothing we can do about it. Oh, yeah. So here's the, here's another picture of it. And you can see. So first there's a parachute. Then this thing rockets down. Then it, for some reason, drops the actual rover away from the rocket thing and lowers it down on strings. Here's a real picture of it. Looks cute. All of these rovers, they all look exactly like... Um, Number five. Number five is alive. You know, the no disassemble uh, robot from what was the name of that? What was the name of that movie? Guys, help help me out in the chat, please. What was the name of the movie with number five is alive? And and he, he was struck by lightning or he was some kind of like rover that got struck by lightning and somehow de <laughs> developed artificial <laughs> intelligence. So tell me what the name of that show. Short circuit, Brian. Thank you. Of course, Brian would know. <laughs> Um, do you say Elon or do you say Elon or Ellen? Elon? I say Elon. Elon Musk says that Apple's boss, he's talking about Tim Cook. Uh, hold on. Apple! Okay. Says that he went to Tim Cook during what he calls the company's darkest days. And here's his tweet. He says, uh, during the darkest days of the Model 3 program, I reached out to Tim Cook to discuss the possibility of Apple acquiring Tesla for one-tenth of our current value. He refused to take the meeting. He didn't even take the meeting. Now, when I was talking to a friend about this the other day, after I read this, um, she had a really good point. And she said, for, for things that Apple considers to be its main big products that it would never acquire technology uh, in order to have that thing. They want to start from scratch with it. And I said, are you sure? What about Siri? They acquired Siri, didn't they? Sorry if I'm activating your phone. It shouldn't be. And, uh, and, and she said, yeah, they did. But you know what they didn't do? They, the, Siri is not a main product. Siri is a feature. It is not a product in and of itself. You can't buy Siri. You can't buy Siri. You can buy an iPhone, but an iPhone, just Siri is one of the things that the iPhone does. It's not the iPhone itself or the iPod or the iMac or the Power MacBook, PowerBook, whatever. They're not going to acquire core technology. And look at what they've done with the M1. Now they even have their own CPU. So the idea that they would acquire a separate company like Tesla 
why would they do that? They believe, and probably correctly, uh, that um, that they uh, could do it all themselves from the ground you up. You are correct. So they're saying, what about Beats for Apple Music? And next, uh, uh, Not Not Jake says that. Oh, hi, David Young. Um, so here's the interesting thing uh, about that, and I'll respond to that. Apple already had headphones. They already had the AirPods. By buying Beats, what they were doing was augmenting and increasing their product line in that space to appeal to a certain audience. They were buying the branding and the brand name of that to use as their own, but they had already made it clear that they could make great headphones. They had already made that clear with the AirPods. So I think that's different, but but I will give you this, not not Jake. You do have a point in that that is their product, but it also seems like they've left Beats alone, that they almost acquired Beats as a separate company and are kind of keeping it as a separate company with some bleed over, like the new uh, headphones that they have, which I haven't seen these things in person, but I've heard mixed reviews. Do any of you guys have the uh, the new the new uh the new headphones, the new Apple headphones, um, the the big ones. I've heard that <laughs> the review that I saw <laughs> is that if you're if you're sitting still, uh, and, and then they're fine, but if you are moving around or exercising or even walking very much, that they're not comfortable and they move around and stuff. Me too. I'm excited too. So I don't know. All right. <laughs> There's a, there's no news. I don't know if you've seen this, but right, this is if if you want to announce something, uh, now would be a really good time to announce something big because there's literally nothing happening in the whole world right now. There is there is nothing happening, uh, and it's <laughs> don't announce anything bad because it'll get all the press in the world right now. In in uh, COVID update from the BBC. <laughs> Denmark is going to dig up millions of of mink. Remember when they were killing the minks? This is really sad. But do you, do you remember when when they were killing the mink, all the minks? Uh, well, now they're they're going to exhume them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just what <laughs> about. I don't know why this is so funny to me. Uh, Four million mink will be exhumed from mass graves (laughs) and incinerated to prevent pollution. Uh, I don't understand. They're going to be burning them. So how does this prevent? Okay, let me just, I'll just read it. I'll just read it. (laughs) About I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny to me. <laughs> I'm sweating now. About 4 million mink will be exhumed from mass graves and incinerated to prevent pollution. It is set to happen in May when officials say the risk of coronavirus contamination for the dead animals will have passed. More than... <laughs> 
And I like these animals. They're adorable. I, I don't know why this is funny. I feel bad that they were killed. More than 15 million mink have been culled in Denmark, devastating its fur industry. Some of the mink <laughs> buried in mass graves in a military area in the west of the country have... <laughs> have resurfaced because of the nitrogen, nitrogen and phosphorus gases produced by their decay. The two burial sites are highly controversial as one is near a bathing lake. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm ruining, I know I'm ruining the, the whole show. Uh, the two burial sites are highly controversial as one is near a bathing lake and the other not far from a source of drinking water. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice planning. It's not his fault. Um, re residents have complained about the potential risk of contamination. The Ministry of Food and Agriculture said in the statement on Sunday that the government had gained support in Parliament to dig up the mink next year. <laughs> Once the mink are no longer contaminated with... <laughs> I'm sorry. Once the mink are no longer contaminated with COVID-19, they will be transported to an incineration facility where they'll be burned as commercial waste, the ministry said. Denmark announced early last month that it would call all of its mink after a mutated form of coronavirus was, was found in on mink farms. There were concerns that the mutated variant could threaten the effectiveness of future vaccines. And then the government later admitted that the call was mishandled. Guess what? I'm dying. Oh, hi. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> uh, in uh, politics, uh, Biden's POTUS account, P-O-T-U-S, the POTUS Twitter account, will be reset to zero. They're going to be wiping it clean. It's a clean slate that they will be starting from the very, very beginning. He will have none of Trump's followers. He will have none of anyone's followers. But what's interesting about this is that uh, this is different than what happened before. Now, right now, um, Trump has his own Twitter account, but... Uh, the POTUS account currently has 33 million followers and the, at White House has 26 million followers. And uh, the quote is, uh, Twitter has informed us that as of right now, the Biden administration will have to start from zero. This is coming from uh, Biden director Rob Flaherty, your name, dude? Uh, who said that uh, the Biden team via email pushed back and said, whoa, this isn't what you've done before. And it's true. It is not what happened last time, because in 2016, Trump absorbed all of the followers that were already following POTUS and White House uh, at White House. And um, and uh, no, not anymore. But they're trying to figure it out uh, what to do. But there is nothing that they can do. But here's what's interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Twitter says that users who follow the current White House accounts will be notified that they're being archived with 45 added to the handles and being given the option to follow the Biden administration accounts. So POTUS will change to like POTUS 45, the same way that the account on inauguration day for um, Barack Obama was changed to POTUS 44. So that is a standard thing, I guess. But <clears throat> interesting. Um, I think Twitter is just trying to figure everything out. They're just trying to figure it out. 
Um, now, here's something that's kind of interesting that um, concerns a lot of people. War were declared. The U.S. Congress has passed COVID-19 stimulus bill that will make it illegal, illegal streaming a felony. They're targeting illegal for-profit streaming providers, though, not individual users. So what that means is <clears throat> if maybe you are uh, a person who illegally streams something, I don't know how – who does that? I don't know how anyone does. Do you know how to do that? I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know. This is our concern, dude. But – if someone knows how to do that and you're doing it, you're fine to do it. It's only the prof, for-profit streaming providers. Uh, and so here's what, they, here's what this article says, and it's kind of interesting. The U.S. Congress has passed a COVID-19 stimulus bill that includes, they just, they just stuck this in there, an anti-piracy proposal that will punish for-profit illegal streaming services with felony penalties of up to 10 years in jail. This was already passed. There's no going back on it. Sorry. It is the $900 billion stimulus package. It's going to revive unemployment benefits. It's going to launch a round of a $600 stimulus payment to many Americans. I know a handful of people that will benefit from this. Um, but it, it was a 5,000 page bill, 5,000 page. Did you hear what I just said? 5,000 pages. And they were expected to read that and vote on it in two hours. Now, I don't know about you. <clears throat> I need to sleep. But I can't read 5,000 pages in two hours. But they knew that they had to do it. So who knows what else has got it? Who knows what else was in there? No one could read it. No one could read it. Anyway, it says the bill proposes criminal penalties for operators of commercial sites who willfully and for purposes of commercial advantage or private financial gain offer or provide to the public a digital transmission service of unauthorized media. Now, I'm not coughing because I have COVID. I'm coughing because I, I lost, lost it there a minute ago. <clears throat> Need to sleep. So they say that the shift towards streaming content online has resulted in criminal streaming services illegally distributing copyrighted material that costs the U.S. economy nearly $30 billion every year and discourages the production of creative content that Americans enjoy. I am going to call uh, BS that on this thing. And I'll tell you why. That is not hurting. It is not, hurt. it is not costing. I don't believe that this is costing $30 billion every year. People are... are, are, are these companies are losing thirty billion a year because people are streaming stuff illegally. I don't, uh, I don't buy it. Bill in the chat says apparently the Constitution was silent on the order of succession of social media accounts. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, what this means is if you're one of those people, you're not going to be affected. <clears throat> and the last piece of news that I have. Uh, and this this one's a little interesting to me. Zoom is there's rumors swirling saying that Zoom will be launching an email service and a calendar app that will compete with Google and Microsoft. Now they say and Microsoft. R really, I mean, I think uh, I don't think really it's Microsoft. I think it's just Google. Um, the company is exploring products beyond video conferencing. Video conferencing platform Zoom has had a blockbuster year. This is being reported, by the way, over at uh, The Verge by Nick Stat. What's your name, dude? Um, 
they say that uh, stock price has risen more than 500% due to the unprecedented surge in remote work brought on by the coronavirus pandemic. But now the company is looking to expand beyond workplace video chat and into new territories, specifically email and calendar services. This is a report from The Information, that, that website. You know, I think this is very likely and I think it would make really good sense for them to do that. Don't you? I think it would make incredible sense for them to do that because they're already there. They're already in front of us. So give us scheduling, give us calendaring, give us all of those features. But my tweet, when I saw this and tweeted about it, I said, of course, the one company that we trust less than Google, and I hope you don't trust Google uh, with your with your data, and I, I trust them with their services. I trust that their services work really, really well and amazing, but I'm talking about privacy. The only company that we currently trust less than Google is Zoom, and they're also the only one that could take on Google in this space. I think a year from now, we're going to see a lot of people, a lot of people who are using this instead of Google for these features. So keep, keep your eye on that. All right. Now we're going to switch to the part of the show uh, where I hopefully can help some people. But before I do that... <clears throat> Brian in the chat says, how much money do people lose when their licensed purchases disappear or from having to rebuy the same material on different types of media, vinyl record, cassette, CD, iTunes, etc.? Yeah. You know, it's weird because growing up, of course, I always had, uh, I, you know, when I was very, very young, I had a, a record player and I would go buy a record and listen to it or my parents would buy it for me because I was very, very little. But, you know, then we had cassette tapes and then we had CDs and you felt very much like, you know, your CD collection kind of like defined you. You wanted to display it. People would come over to your house at your, you know, if you were having a party or just having guests over and they would look on your shelf and they would see all of your CDs and they would look through it and they could learn a lot about you just by looking at your CD collection. I remember you'd go out on a date and then you'd come back and like, Maybe you'd have dinner over there or something like that. And the whole time you'd be looking at her CD collection like, oh, she has that. See, oh, I have that one. She has that. Oh, what's this one? I've never heard that. And it could become like a point of conversation. I guess what replaced that now is sort of like following somebody on Spotify and watching what they're playing. But it's not the same, is it? It's not the same kind of curation. Yeah, you can make playlists and share them with people, but it's not the same, is it? But also you had this very clear feeling that you owned that music you had given some money to a store and then that store gave that money most of it to the record company and then the record company kept most of it and gave some to the artist and you felt like you had you were supporting the artist you were supporting the creation of music i don't feel like i'm supporting anyone but spotify when i stream from spotify really because i know how little money artists make but that's the only way i consume music these days is is these kind of music streaming apps but I don't believe that it's costing $30 billion if you do that <clears throat> illegally. Who knows? Okay. So I had asked on Twitter a couple questions. And I said, listen, if you want me to help solve your problems, I'll solve your problems. Tell me what's going on with you and I'll help you out. And so uh, I don't know if this person said, I'm going to just leave them anonymous. So if you're doing this, you can tweet me at Dan Benjamin and you can just tell me what's up with you. <clears throat> This person says, questions for the show. I've been working on a podcast for a long time now. It will be six years old on January 5th. Very, very nice. Well, give you a little bell for that. Um, 
that's a that's a big accomplishment. Merlin and I were just talking about this on yesterday's show that uh, our show is almost ten years old now. Can you believe that? Almost ten years old. Road uh, back to work and road work is coming up on is it five years? So this guy's got a six year old show. Uh, a few things. One, I feel a little boxed in by my own approach. The show is targeted at software engineers, but a lot of what I want to talk about falls more in the working philosophy category, mindfulness, etc. It works, but I'm wondering if the audience will, will ever grow with the way the show is portrayed. The show is called Developer T, after all. Let me respond first to that question before I get to your second question, because there's more than one. And what I will say is, there are no rules, but in podcasting especially, but those you create for yourself. So if you have a show, and right now it's about software development, but you also want to talk about working philosophy, then start talking about working philosophy. My thinking is the chance that the people who are listening to it are going to like revolt and leave in mass. I, I think that's highly unlikely. In fact, I think those people would probably really enjoy hearing about what you want to talk about. Uh, and number two, you it's much more likely that you will actually uh, get a bigger audience if you expand your topic, building on the base that you already have. I don't think you're going to find people now. The one exception to that is politics. If you start sharing your political opinions, regardless of what they are, regardless of what they are, if you start sharing them, you will absolutely lose listeners and probably not gain any. That doesn't maybe make sense, but I'll explain this to you. Um, my uh, my own personal experience with some friends of mine who started getting political and they were speaking about polit their political opinions, knowing that their audience agreed with them. So let me say that again. They knew that their audience agreed with their political opinions. And all they did was start sharing their political opinions to the audience that they knew were in agreement to those opinions. What do you think happened? Well, we saw this because they were on five by five huge pushback keep your political opinions to yourself was the big comment that we heard uh, over and over again and people were writing in not just to the show but to me saying what are you going to do about this show they're sharing their political opinions and we don't want to hear that we want to hear them talk about their regular topic that hurt the show they lost a, a sizable chunk of their audience when they started sharing opinions that they knew that their audience agreed with and that the audience did in fact agree with it was simple that there was just no place on that show for that. If people want political opinions, they'll go listen to a political show. That's different from what I do here, which is maybe I talk about the political news or something. Very different. But people really didn't like that. But that's the only topic about that. If you're already talking about software development, it's not a big shift or a big pivot or anything to, to start talking about effective working philosophy. Like that's... To me, those are the same, pretty much the same two things. Uh, in the chat, they are saying, um, uh, "Oh, I'm going to try and try and get your name right." Ramanujan Srinath. That's your name, dude. Says, "Where's Dan reading these questions from?" And uh, then they add, "Also, if you get political, you will date your show really quickly." Well, true. If you're doing a news show like this one. Who cares? But uh, I agree that that it will not be it will not remain an evergreen show. And um, where am I getting the questions? These were submitted to me through direct messages on Twitter. And uh, any anyone who wants to ask me a question, I'm at Dan Benjamin. 
hit me up there and I'll do my best to take your question on the show. Now, there's more than one question. Two, I want to grow the audience, but not sure which way to go. YouTube is obviously a huge opportunity with a brand new audience, but my show format feels unlikely to go off well on YouTube. Should I start an entirely new channel style of content that fits better on YouTube? How can I take full advantage of the show content I'm doing? I'm at 900 episodes as of yesterday. Well, congratulations. That's wonderful. Um, this is a good question also because... Good one! Um... So like this show is fun. I did a show called the Dan Benjamin Hour a few years ago, and we did it five days a week. And it was a live streamed video show that I would upload to YouTube. And we got about 5,000 daily people tuning in, downloading that show. And then another thousand maybe who were watching it on YouTube which always disappointed me. I wanted 5,000 people on YouTube and, and less on the audio, but I realized that audio first is still the way to go for a lot of people. Now, this show is very different. Most people are actually watching this still on YouTube or Periscope. Not Most people watch it after it comes out as opposed to when it's live, but still, I, I think that's an interesting thing to think about. I like doing this as a video show. To me, this is a video show first, and that's a that's an experiment for me, and it's the first time that I've ever tried that. In the past, whenever I was doing something, uh, it was almost always audio first, and I was talking to Tom Merritt, who does a Daily Tech News show, and he's like, even though we're video, we are audio first. Interesting. Um, this is kind of a video first show, so it's an experiment for me as well, and that's a really good question that... Um, uh, listener Jay, I'll just call him Jay, it has asked, I would take what you're doing now and try it on YouTube. Just turn the video cameras on and put it on YouTube and see what happens. I don't think that you need to do a separate thing. And I'll tell you what, one of the, I don't know if it was a mistake, but one of the things I would do differently now is I would have continued I would have focused in more on just a few shows rather than doing a lot more shows and tried to grow those. So this show is also an experiment for me to see what's going to happen and how will how will this show grow. Um, the best way that you can help it grow, right? What are we doing? Yeah, that's right. Like and subscribe and uh, be sure to tell your friends about the show. That's really the best way to help this show grow is say like, Hey, I want you to check this out. We all watch. We, he does a show live. We tune in. We watch live, and it's a great time. I want to make the show better, and I want more people to watch it. So do that for me. Oh, and I forgot to do my little lower third there. Hi. There I am. Okay. And now, oh, he's asking me some questions about Fireside. And you know what? I am going to read this question, even though he maybe didn't want me to read it. I don't care. I'm going to. Also, on a separate note, I'm considering leaving Simplecast. Hold on. We've got a, a sound just for Simplecast right here. That is the Simplecast sound. Uh, for Fireside, hooray, yes. Um, you are correct. And uh, I've had a bit of trouble using their API, and you can't build a player from the attributes in their feed. You have to integrate with the API, which means a silly, more involved process than necessary. That, amongst other things, I'd really love an analytics API. Not sure if that's been announced for Fireside or not. An API is something that we have not publicly come out with yet. Uh, but uh, we are going to be working on that right after we are done with dynamic ad insertion, which is being worked on really hard right now, probably right this second. <laughs> so, um, 
after that, API is a thing that, uh, that we're going to be doing. And uh, here in the chat, Bill, uh, <laughs> Mr. Sloot says, Mink first, video and audio later. Thank you. Bill says, I'm surprised how many, sh uh, how many shows I describe as mostly podcast audio first go up on YouTube. Can't believe it's because of monetization. Uh, Cornelius, uh, I love that name. That's I hope your that's name, your dude. real name. I listen to Developer T. There's a need for general working philosophy show, but I don't know if there's an audience yet. Well, Cornelius, he's got to build that audience, doesn't he? He needs to, to, to build that audience, and this is the best way. Stick with your main product. If I could go back in time to 2006 when I started podcasting, 2006, 2008 when I went full-time with it, I would have had one show. I would have called it the Dan Benjamin Show or something, something like blah with Dan Benjamin. And I would have just done that. I wouldn't have done all these different shows. And I would have just had recurring guests come back on them. And maybe I would have done Back to Work with Merlin because he's he that show is so focused. And I definitely would have still done road work with John that I'm doing now. But I wouldn't have done all these 50 million other shows that I've done over the years. Nope. I would have just focused in and done just one show and made it my own. And that's kind of what I'm building here. And I hope that it works and I hope that y'all are here for it. So let's do another question. Um, hmm. Give me a second because yeah, that's not, that's not a real question. That's someone asking me about something else. Okay. Here's another one who says, um, oh yeah, and I recognize this person. They didn't say if I can use their name or not. So listen, uh, viewer C says, um, I'm having a hard time finding a new apartment. The experience in my current unit is less than stellar. Any tips or general wisdom on how to find the right place, what to look for, what to ask when talking to management? I can find a unit in my price and the size I want, but it's just so hard to tell if management is going to be responsive to any issue with neighbors, etc." I'll tell you what, that is a very, very good question. And um, it is so, so, so difficult to find something like that. And the process takes Hundreds, so man. long. Um, you know, the your best bet, depending on the kind, if it's an apartment building that's locked and you can't get into it, like after hours, then you're going to be in trouble. But if it's open, if you can walk around and you're not worried about seeming creepy or whatever, what you can do is you can go there at different times. So here's what I would do. If, if you can do this without being too creepy, uh, walk around the parking lot or walk around like, don't be creepy, but go, kind of take a little quick, brisk walk around, pass some of the doors and pass it at night. Go there on a, a Friday night and then again on a Saturday night at about 11, 12 o'clock at night. Go there and what do you hear? Do you hear it? What? Is there music playing? Is there, are there parties happening? Are there dogs barking? What's going on there? I'll tell you what else. There are a lot of apartment complexes that are not cool. There's nothing cool about them but that they are used mainly by professionals and people who have a job to go to and not people who are just out of college or who are working at the local, you know, like, uh, I don't know, construction site or something like that. Well, I'm not implying that construction workers are going to be noisy. No, I'm saying they're going to have early hours. So they're going to make more noise really early in the morning because they've got to go. You see, so why would you think that I would 
say the construction workers are going to be like playing the music. I'm saying find a place that caters to working professionals or that caters to new families because they're not going to be making noise. Hey, you might get a crying baby sometimes, but generally speaking, you don't want to live somewhere. There. So, so you've got to go out there Eight at night and you've got to listen and you've got to see what you're going to hear because that's going to give you a, re- and don't just do that once, do that a couple times, try going during the week, take some time out of your schedule and just sort of like hang out there and see what you hear. As far as the management company, oh, you're not going to, no management company lasts more than two years at apartment complex. They are constantly turned over. Every two or three years, it's a new management company. They, they're, None of them are good. All of them are bad. And none of them will handle your problems very well. Or if they do, it'll only be for the first three months that, that they're there. So the answer to your question is, um, how do you find the right place? It, it really comes down to who currently exists. And the only way to do that is to go and sit there and watch. Another thing that you can do is go there in the morning on like a Monday morning, starting at about 7 a.m. and watch who comes and goes from the apartment complexes. So they people now it's weird during COVID. You're not going to be able to figure this out during COVID. But when the world reopens, you can. But sit there and watch and see who comes and goes. Are they people wearing, you know, are they dressed nicely? Are they wearing nice shoes? Are they going to a nice job or uh, or are they, you know, heading off to the local college? That's going to be a very different environment. So there I've solved your problem, I think. Um, uh, Here's another one uh, that writes in and says, uh, after four years in management, I'm going back to being an engineer retraining as an iOS developer. How do I break the news to my 36 people? It's been a rough pandemic for them and a rough Q4 with a crazy reorg. Also, can I be anonymous? Well, you are anonymous. Uh, So anonymous iOS developer, you are done. You said, no more management for me. I want to write the code again. And I hear this time and time again. What happens is people are, uh, they are promoted up and they are, moved into management and they realize after a while in management that they hate management, that they really just liked writing code and they have no business being in management. And the desire to get out of it starts a little fire under you. Oh, you know? It's burning more. It's getting worse. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ah. Okay. And they, uh, they go out and they say, I've, I've got to do something different. And they leave and they want to be a developer again. Now this guy is, uh, is going to be an iOS developer. How do you break the news to your 36 people. I'm assuming that means they've got 36 people on their team and they want to tell them, guys, I'm leaving. Sorry. Well, there's a few things that I'll say. My understanding of, of your situation is that it, you probably, if they, if there are 36 developers that work for you, it's probably a pretty big company. Here's the thing. They're just going to promote somebody from within probably or bring someone else new in. I hate to tell you this, you're going to hate to hear it and it's going to sound like really mean, but like, dude, you're not that important. They're going to miss you as a friend, but they've got somebody else. You don't have to worry about it. Now, wait, you're saying, wait, you're saying I'm not important. You mean I don't make a difference, but look, look at what my accomplishments were. Look what I got done as manager. Look how I coached these people. Look how I helped this person refine their career. Look how I gave this person valuable. Yes, you did all that. And it was all great. And you're a great employee and you really helped your team and they love you. But guess what? They have lives of their own. They have things that they're doing too. They have each other. 
They have the company they work for, and you're giving someone there a really great opportunity. So here's how you break it to them. You say, uh, hello, 36 people. I, uh, I have made a really, really hard decision because I really, really love this role, and I really, really like working with all of you. It's actually been one of the best times of my life. But you know what? I, I've realized through this process that what I actually like doing is coding. I don't really want to do this management thing. And even though you might have thought that I was good at it, and maybe I was good at it, it doesn't bring me the kind of joy that I get from doing the development itself. And I really want to try pushing myself in my career. I really want to try doing something new and challenge myself to learn something new. And what I've decided is that uh, I'm going to become an iOS developer and I'm not going to do that here because maybe you guys don't do iOS development, but I really want to explore what is out there for me. And it just felt like now was the right time for me. There wasn't a reason. There wasn't anything that happened that made me do this. There wasn't a bad thing here. I still love the company. I wish you guys well, but um, I want to do this. And I hope that if I've inspired you as a boss over the last four years, uh, that you will be inspired by me challenging myself. And hopefully you can challenge yourself right there within the context of your own job, because it's very likely that one of you will be able to, to move up because of this. And so in a way, I'm giving you a gift, the gift of challenging yourself. And then you say peace and you drop the mic and you back out of the room. That's how that works. All right. A couple comments came in. Uh, Dan says, I love the format as I work from home. I'm setting my workday around it now. Yes. Yes. But I got to get better with the schedule, don't I? I got to get on a, a real tight schedule. But that's going to be tough. But I'm, gonna, I'm here for it. I'm going to do it. I promise. Dominic says, wow, I'm moving from development to 50-50 dev management next month. It's scary. And I'm pretty sure I'll move back at some point in a couple of years. Dominic, what I like about what you're doing is that you're taking it step by step. You may find that you love management. For me, if you told me I never had to write a line of code again, I would not miss it. I would not miss it. I love doing this kind of stuff. This is what I love doing. But I had to build Fireside, you know. I had to build it. And now I have help. Garrett's doing an amazing job. And I've got other people uh, who can help. But I don't want to write any more code. I love designing product. Don't get me wrong. I love product. I love user experience. And I love driving the company forward. But as far as sitting down and rolling up my sleeves and writing code, I would be content to never do that again. Don't do that. It hurts. Okay. Uh, Andy says, wait, you guys missed me as a friend. I just got here. LOL. Uh, Andy, we did not miss you. You're still included in, in the friendship. You're absolutely still included in, in the friendship. Uh, okay. Let me make sure. Uh, nope. You know what? I think that is that is it. Let me see. Hold on. Yes, that is it. So if you have questions, you may send them to me at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. If you want to email them to me, that's even better. I like that better. Dan at 5x5.tv is how you do that. Don't forget, like and sub subscribe right there. See, hit the bell. You'll get notified when I go online. Periscope, that's fine. If you want to watch on Periscope, I'm not, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. Wherever you want to watch me, it's fine. I'd love it if you did it on YouTube. But whatever, 
Uh, but that's it. That's all I've got for you today. And I will be back tomorrow. Yeah, it's Christmas Eve. Doesn't matter. I probably will be doing a special from the house like last time, though. I uh, probably won't be coming here to the studio. So you'll get to see. Maybe I'll do it in my new garage gym. And I can give you a little tour of all of the garage gym equipment. Maybe. Who knows? It'll be exciting. And I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do. But I have decided that that's all we have time for today. So thanks for tuning in. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. And uh, I hope that you have an excellent time. And you know what? We'll probably do one of these on Christmas too. What do you think? We'll see. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>